सो गाइस फर्स्ट ऑफ ऑल वेलकम टू अनदर एडिशन ऑफ द वाटर कूलर कॉन्वर्सेशन इन द बिल्डर्स क्लब टू नाइट वी हैव ब्रैंडन रॉजर्स विद अस ब्रैंडन इज द को फाउंडर एंड जनरल पार्टनर ऑफ टू ए एम वेंचर्स अ सेक्टर एग्नोस्टिक जेन जी इंडिया ओनली अर्ली स्टेज वेंचर फंड ही हिमसेल्फ इज अ फाउंडर ऑफ वैग लैब्स एंड ऑन डिमांड डॉग वॉकिंग प्लेटफॉर्म फॉर द यू एस मार्केट which has raised more than 300 million dollars till date from companies like the softbank vision fund general catalyst battery ventures and more uh, he is a mentor and advisor to multiple startups and now has his eyes towards india where he has started uh, with 2am ventures uh, and has started mentoring companies like bima plan and blue learn and carbon which uh, you know which have already been invested by to am ventures so brandon welcome to the builders club first of all thank you so much for having me and uh, really looking forward to chatting and uh, learning more about uh you know what you guys are building and happy to share more about my story yeah thanks a lot for that brandon brandon we'll probably you know the way we usually kick it off is we start off with knowing a little bit about you your journey your early professional life you yourself have been a founder so you know a little bit about your journey as a founder and then probably uh, we can take a segue towards 2am ventures and how what exactly are you planning to do with it yeah totally so i um i'm from a small uh, the smallest state in the united states called rhode island and um uh, i grew up playing sports and loved um just being on teams and uh you know sports to me has really translated very well to startups so when i uh i went to college uh you know cuz i didn't really know what to do and it was kind of like the the general path that people take and um i uh had a couple friends that started a couple of their own startups and i had the opportunity to you know just intern and just kind of see what startups were all about and it really kind of brought me to um my days of like playing sports and stuff and it, like being on a team and working together and going through the ups and downs so like from that point on i i really fell in love with startups um you know i wanted to build something and it was like kind of in the era of 2000 2011 when like Facebook was really really growing and people were now adopting to the you know mobile device and mobile apps etc and it was more like this social revolution so um I packed my bags after college and moved to uh Silicon Valley and uh specifically to Palo Alto and you know that's was kind of where all of the startups were and that's where everybody was going uh to start these businesses so Uh I moved out with my friends and uh we started a uh, online dating company um that basically um was like a social dating platform that sat on top of Facebook so it was like a Facebook dating app essentially um and that was kind of my first real kind of uh deep dive into startups and what I uh I learned a lot um it was a really good experience we scaled that business to um you know a lot of users and uh eventually um the the assets were acquired by a larger uh, dating company and it basically gave myself and my co-founders about 2 months of um 
really not having to think about getting a full-time job. So we packed our bags and moved down to Los Angeles. Um, and you know, when I got to LA, I, uh, was figuring out really what to do next and what's like the next big business. And, you know, I learned a lot of things by, um, creating the dating site, what to do, what not to do, um, how to really think about business models and really think about scaling. So, um, at that time it was around like 2014 and, you know, this was the rise of like the Uber for X model. Um, and you know, you had press a button, somebody would clean your house, press a button, somebody will get your groceries, blah, blah, blah. And, um, if you really could kind of crack this Uber for X model, then probably you'd get investors to invest in you. So, I lived next to a hiking trail, which is um, called Runyon Canyon, which is like in the heart of Hollywood, believe it or not. And everybody had dogs and there was dog walkers everywhere and everybody had pets. And it was like this, this, like nobody really had children in Los Angeles. They all had, they all had um, pets. So um, what I realized was that everybody in Los Angeles is trying, a lot of people have like side hustles or they're trying to become actors or models or they're, they're striving for something else. So they're looking for extra income. So I decided like, well, why not create some sort of business where we can connect dog walkers to pet parents? Um, because like in Los Angeles, there's traffic, it's hot, dogs are inside all day, people are in traffic where they you know have to get back to their pets, et cetera. So um, decided to launch the Uber of dog walking and really studied the market and built a lot of conviction with just random people on the street asking them if they would use this product, et cetera. And, um, you know, the vision of the business was to create a, a platform where pet parents would be able to use our dog walking service, uh, continuously, and then really kind of upsell them and, you know, share other services like sitting and boarding and daycare and, you know, um, televet and stuff like that. So really like having this, you know, button on your phone for your pet in your pocket and really owning the whole life cycle of your pet. So, um, you know, we, I launched that business and, and we scaled that business to, um, you know, from LA to, you know, thousands of cities in the U S and hired hundreds of people and raised hundreds of millions of dollars in venture capital and really learned a lot along the way. And, um, really understood how to build a business that was basically extremely non-scalable at first, but really understood who our users were and how to get product market fit. Um, and really, um, being in a, in an industry that is evolving and growing at a rapid pace. I mean, even in India, not to really kind of go off on a tangent, but like in India, I'm even seeing a huge uptick in new pet companies um, you know, and just the overall pet market in India is, is continuously growing. So, um, that was a great journey and, um, you know, I can happy, I'll stop there. And then if you have any other questions, I can kind of dive into that, but that's kind of, uh, kind of how everything started. Nice. You know, Brendan, I guess, uh, this is a very interesting, so I guess, you know, you, uh, like every other founder, you know, you basically had a very serendipitous journey where you stumbled upon an idea and then you worked on it and uh, you basically started something and then you figured your way along. 
uh, and you i guess uh, i guess wag now already has it's 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 still operational right it's still going on uh, it's it's already yes. raised around 300 million dollars if i understand correctly yeah so about total funding it was about 300 and uh, like 70 million it's still operating today um and yeah i mean like what one thing that we did early on was we wanted to build a business that had a lot something that would have a lot of retention and frequency uh within our uh customers and we also wanted to build something that had really high lifetime value for our customers so we went my co-founders and I went through like hundreds of business ideas talking to you know potential you know customers day after day and really stumbled upon the pet space because it hit those specific metrics that we were looking for. Mm. You know, we wanted to create a transactional business where people would actually um take out their credit cards and be able to get a service that they pay for immediately. Um uh, my prior business was a consumer facing app where it was like very hard to monetize and stuff like that. So that's yeah. kind of how we tackled it. Um and um yeah, we built a lot of conviction. So that would that'd be like one thing like if um if somebody is like kind of contemplating like if they should kind of move forward with their idea or not i would say like go up to your potential like target customer and continuously ask people what their thoughts are mm-hmm. and then like get feedback and iterate off that feedback and that's something that i did um and it really helped and i actually use those same skill sets to launch my fund in India as well too to really get feedback around my thesis etc mm-hmm. no that's absolutely true i guess this is true for uh, all founders in fact this is this was actually one of the questions which, which i was going to ask and you've already spoken about it is uh, validation of an idea is much more important than actually starting to build stuff so a lot of people make the mistake of directly jumping into building a product without even speaking to their customers and this especially happens a lot especially when you're a first time founder because you don't know uh, how to approach uh, you know a, a problem statement so yeah i mean I, i guess this is this is exactly the right way to approach it and uh, congratulations on all the success that wag has till now and god speed to that um, Brandon, thank you that, that basically brings me to uh 2 am ventures so this is a fairly recent fund which you started with harshal if i understand correctly right correct yes we're we've been in investing for the last like 3 months yeah yeah and in these 3 months you already have invested in 10 startups and i believe there are commitments of 5 uh, more which are already done and uh, you already uh, i mean you know you it's it's been a you've already started investing very very prolifically is what i understand um wanted to probably yeah. under yeah sorry go on no sorry i thought uh, keep going sorry to interrupt no so i basically just wanted to understand your perspective because you have been there in the us ecosystem why india uh and and why specifically gen z because i believe this is a gen z fund you you invest in early stage startups which are started by young people uh that's the investment thesis of 2m ventures if i understand correctly uh wanted to eat your brains on that whole philosophy yeah so uh 
it's a funny question. I guess ask this question a lot. So in Silicon Valley, there's about a thousand seed funds and to, there's so much competition and it's the market is somewhat saturated. There's a lot of deals. Um, and I wasn't, for some reason I wasn't going to, I didn't really want to be a part of that. And in late, in late, uh, 2019, I met a gentleman named Herschel Mehta in Los Angeles. He's born and raised in Los Angeles. And we had a very nice coffee for about two and a half hours, which is a very long meeting, uh, for, for most people. And it was almost like we kind of knew each other and we just like had a really good, like, you know, awesome conversation um and kind of about a month forward um you know i was just you know continuously reading about like just how international vcs were or funds that were in the u.s were investing heavily into india and southeast asia and i've always been a fan of a gentleman named um lee fixel and lee fixel used to run Tiger Global Management, um, and he was one of the first people kind of in the U.S. to start investing heavily into India, and I always looked up to with him, yeah, and um, that always intrigued me. So when I, um, after I met Herschel and I kind of just being more curious about the market, um, I got an email from Herschel, and apparently I was like the 15th person he emailed, Um but he asked if I would like to come to Mumbai for the first 100x.vc demo day. And his cousin is Sanjay Mehta, which, you know, is a, as a unbelievable angel uh, portfolio and a serial entrepreneur. And he started 100x.vc. And this is when I was kind of at like a crossroads in my life where I, you know, didn't really know what I was going to do next. I was, you know, already at WAG for over five years and I got this email at 6 a.m. in the morning and I was like, man, my dream is to go to India. Like India is like a place where, you know, I've always wanted to go just to like the people, the food, the culture, everything is something that I've always had on my my bucket list. And, um, you know, I I was talking to my my girlfriend that morning and she was like, you got to go. And I was like, something inside of me, it was definitely my intuition and it was like, you have to get on a plane and go to India. So I, um, you know, I got on a plane and I went to Mumbai. And when I first stepped foot in India, something inside of me went off and was like, you need to be a part of this ecosystem. India to me, I think, I think that trip really changed my life. But when I was in India, I saw the most passionate founders. I saw founders that had so much grit and determination but more so, I saw founders building and solving pain points for millions and millions of Indians at scale. And I was like, there is a, I want to be a part of this ecosystem. And also, kind of with all these kind of micro or actually macro trends where, you know, you have uh, geo allowing people to have like, you know, very, very inexpensive data. You see the rise of UPI, you see, Um, just like how people are adopting to more of these technologies and their software solving like real world, you know, pain points for Indians. So all of that really, really, um, intrigued me. 
And um, I started like getting and just connecting with more Indian founders kind of a a couple months later, started getting some really cool um, deals uh, to invest in. But really started doing more research on the Indian market and just saw that there's a massive, massive population of, of, of Gen Zers in India. I think it's the largest population in the world. And I saw this huge uptick and rise of like Gen Z founders and just businesses more so catered to like the Gen Z millennials and stuff. So um, I, you know, told Herschel, I was like, you know, we need to put, you know, a fund together because um, there's a huge opportunity here. And there isn't that many funds in India that I saw that were kind of like founder led that, you know, a lot of the partners, um, you know, are more like on the, on the finance side, whereas like, you know, um, with my background as founder, I can really relate to other founders because I've been in the trenches before. Um, so I brought Herschel on board and together we were able to um, start a fund and we started connecting with, you know, great angels and funds in India and really built a great, great network. And, you know, my whole philosophy is, I want to help founders, you know, not just from, you know, day one in funding the startup, but through the whole way through. And, you know, the reason why I named the fund 2AMVC is because in my life as a founder, the craziest shit that has happened to me, whether if it's, you know, the there's bugs and we have to revert, there's lawsuits, there's people quitting, whatever it is, there's, you know, you reach a million users. It's all happening in the middle of the night, typically at 2 a.m. for me. So um, I want to, you know, our fund is there for founders and we want to, you know, be there throughout the, throughout the night or if it's the night for them, whatever the case may be. And um, that's kind of the genesis of the fund and the founders that we've invested in thus far and just the businesses and the scale that some of these startups have gotten to. In just a couple of months, it's just astronomical. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful and blessed to have this opportunity. But um, I, I believe that India, the, the next Silicon Valley, like at scale, will be India. And you're, you're seeing it with all of these larger funds continuously deploying in startups. Um, and then you're seeing the larger funds investing earlier and earlier at the pre-seed and seed level. So, um, could not be more grateful, but that's that's uh, kind of how the whole fund began, and uh, really looking forward to investing more. Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot, Brendan, for that uh, for that uh, really interesting insight, uh, guys. Just 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 a bit. Uh, any of you guys who are not being able to listen to Brendan's voice because a few of the guys said that they are not able to listen, I hope that's not an issue. Berlin, if you can, yeah. Cool. Uh, so I think in case you guys are not being able to hear Brendan's voice, just disconnect and rejoin back again uh, in case there is a small issue. Uh, so sorry, uh, sorry, Brendan. Uh, just uh, I had to. Oh, good. That. Um, cool. Uh, so, uh, Brendan, my next question is around your thesis for the Gen Z ecosystem. So you're, you people are focusing on the young guys who are basically starting uh, their own stuff. Any specific reason why? Uh, any specific, uh, you know, insight or any specific thoughts around that? So, 
Yeah, so we like we'll go. That's like kind of like the overarching high level thesis is Gen Z, Gen Z founders. But we have and we will invest in in founders that are that are not really in the Gen Z um, category. However, the Gen Z founders that we've the reason why we're like very bullish on on that specific set of of demographic is because um, we feel that since there's so many Gen Zers in India, these businesses that these Gen Zers are creating are very catered towards this user group. Mm -hmm. And we want to invest in founders that are building businesses where these users will continuously grow with these businesses over time. Mm -hmm. Um, We feel like that is the trend. And we've seen, um, you know, these, these founders that are very young. What we've noticed is that these found, I mean, not saying that you know, everyone's not scrappy or anything and, you know, willing to, to work really hard. But we've just found that the Gen Z founders have been able to really move very, very quickly, you know, and get things live and, and iterate. And, and we feel like the businesses that they're creating for Gen Zers is the businesses of the future in India. However, we also invest in other, we, we also kind of go out of that mandate, invest in, you know, millennials and stuff like that. But um, we just feel like this young population in India is the future. I, I absolutely agree. I guess the younger population is so much in tune with what the future is going to be. Uh, and, you know, after a certain age, you kind of stop being connected to, you know, the, the newer stuff which is coming in. Uh, even even the guys who we speak to who are, you know, now 40, 45 uh, they basically do not understand a lot of new stuff which is happening, like the whole crypto and blockchain uh, boom which is happening right now. A lot of people are not clued in. They still think that it's a fad, but that's going to be the future. But we'll come to that <laughs> a little bit later. Right. Um, um, wanted to probably, and you know, there are a lot of Gen Z founders right here in the voice chat, and probably you guys will get your chance to speak and ask your questions to to Brandon as well. Um, Brennan, what I would and probably, you know, after this, after this one question, we'll probably open up the floor for questions. And I have a I have a lot more questions. I'll just, you know, uh, keep butting in with my questions as and when, uh, because there are so many people I'm I'm hoping that there are a lot of questions of these guys as well. So we want to have a little bit more time for Q&A. Um, so, um, Brendan, when you are looking, when you're when you're, uh, you know, uh, investing in any company, uh, and you talked about LeafXL. LeafXL was one of those investors with a with a Midas touch. He he had I guess there were there were there were no companies in his anti portfolio if I if I remember correctly. Yeah. And um, he was a master of due diligence. He was a master in terms of uh, you know knowing exactly what the market is like and what exactly these people are doing. And there are stories about how you he used to go and mystery shop with these companies and all. Uh, I want to take your perspective as an investor, when you are looking to fund a a startup, let's say, you know, some company uh, reached out to you and they basically caught your fancy. What signals do you people try to catch on to or what exactly is your process of evaluating a startup? What are those matrices which you people look for when you are investing in a startup? Yeah, great question. Um, I would say like my philosophy um, may vary towards other funds, but 
Um, a couple of like the high level metrics or at least things that I look for specifically is typically at pre-seed and seed, there isn't that much data to go off of because either you're pre-launch or you've only launched, you've only been live for, you know, maybe less than a year. Um, so first and foremost, I want to be able to connect with the founder and really dive deep on who the founder is and what their background is. Um, the second thing would be like, how big is the TAM? Like how big is the total addressable market for what this company is building? Is, does this have a big enough scope? Um, I feel like there's a lot of businesses that are great businesses. They're just not venture backable businesses. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the scope and it's, it could be a great business. They could, the businesses can make a lot of revenue. They're just, they don't have um, this massive scope. So I really look first and foremost at the, the team and then how big is the market specifically. Once I'm convinced on typically those two data points, especially if we're talking about Indian startups, I then do my own research on kind of the market, competitors, kind of like, uh, you know, really dive or dive deep within like the, the actual like market size myself. But I really lean on people in my network that are in India that are from India that can really help validate the trends and, um, you know, it, will this work? Will this not work? How big is this market, et cetera. So I really lean on, um, you know, folks that are local in India that can help provide that, um, feedback and then typically, um, the deals that we invest in, there's other investors already investing as well. So we do a lot of deals with a lot of the um, well-known angels in India and funds. So that helps a lot on the diligence side because they also have done their diligence as well. Mm. Um, so that's that's typically our process. Um you know, since it's Herschel and I, we do move very, very quickly because, um, it's, you know, him and I are the ones that can make the decisions. Um, but that's pretty much it. I mean, at this stage, our portfolio will be about 50 to 60 companies. So that's a lot of businesses. Um, you know, we, we, we also like, we, there really isn't that much to go off of. Um, once you start raising, Series A, Series B, and onwards, you should typically have two to three years worth of data where those conversations and those that diligence process is way more analytical um, and way more kind of getting underneath the hood from a metrics perspective than what pre-seed and seed are. So that's typically the process. I want to I like to invest in businesses that are like really like at really have a massive scope. I think that's probably the first and foremost on really what I look for. Um, yeah. No, that's, that's a, that's a, that's the right way to approach things. I have a question around the gut instinct as well, but we'll come to that later. Um, guys, we'll open up the store, <laughs> open up the floor for, uh, for the Q and a now, any of you guys have a question, you can just unmute yourself and ask the question to Brendan. Uh, I can uh, go. Yeah, Saxena. Yeah, Saxena. So, Saxena. So, so, yeah. 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 so, so, uh, 
Hey Brendan, uh, Swami the same. Hey. And, uh, nice to hear from you and uh, very helpful to understand what you look for when evaluating startups. Uh, for me, I think uh, the question is to like flip the narrative and think about how would, how should like a founder approach this? What sort of diligence should a founder do when looking at investors mm. as to what investor adds the most value to his or her idea? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think that a lot of founders don't really think from this lens or they don't look yeah. through this lens. They they just look through the lens of just give me money and that's it. Um I would say when you look for angels, so I'll, when you look for angels and funds, but I'll start with angels. When you look for angels, you want to look for angels that can provide value from day one. So like for an example, if you're starting like an e-commerce company, um, you want to surround yourself with angels that have also either invested in e-commerce companies or maybe they, they work at an e-commerce company like a, a Flipkart or a Misho or something like that where like they have industry knowledge and they can provide that value from day one. So like if I were to, you know, in the early days of WAG, we are, some of our angels were invested in a lot of pet companies already and that really helped us um, – you know, get introductions to other pet companies or just be able to get more better knowledge in that specific space. So that would be like one way to evaluate um, angels um, and understanding their values. I would want to correlate it directly to my business. Another thing is, is like, if you don't have specific skill sets, maybe you and your co-founders are say, say you all of your co-founders are not engineers and you have to go outsource your first MVP or hire your founding team member as an engineer, maybe bring on an angel that has a technical background that can really assist you with that process since you don't have that skill set. Um, you know, one way when I was an angel investor um, in the U- when I was investing in the U.S., a lot of the founders ask me that. They're like, what value are you going to bring to my, co- my company like immediately? And, you know, looking at the other angels on the cap table, I was like, shit, like these people like can bring a lot more value than I can. But what I realized is that when I was at WAG, the last three years, what I did was I did all the recruiting. So one thing that happens when you raise capital, as I'm sure you're aware of, is like when you raise money, you're probably going to make a couple of hires. So I have a very large network on LinkedIn, blah, blah, blah. So I would tell these founders, I can help you know, hire the first couple people for you. And we can work through that process. And I can show you how to recruit. I can show you how to source. And I can show you how to close engineers to want to work for your startup. So I would look for, for angels that are, are people that may not, you may not have those skill sets, but you can bring people in. Um, that's on the angel side. On the fun side is, and this is just a personal perspective, so I don't want anyone to think that like this is the end-all be-all, but the best, I believe that the VCs at the earliest stages that get it the most are ex-founders, that people that have been in the trenches before. Yeah. Because if you have a partner at a fund or somebody that is investing in you that, and they've never started a business and say they you know, I don't, I'm very transparent, so I'll just be completely candid here. But if you, if you speak with someone that say went to IIT and then they went to Harvard business school, right. And they never started a business, but they have, but, but they're very analytical and they're very smart. That's great. 
But I feel like the most value that a, a partner at a fund can provide at the earliest stages are partners that have actually been in the trenches before um, because they've gone through it and the founders can relate. Um, so I would look for, for partners at funds or if you're looking at a fund, look for a fund that like they've gone through it. Like for instance, you know, I'm a, um, I'm a, I'm a good friend and I'm, I'm, you know, one of my, my role models is, um, Kunal Bahal at Titan Capital. You know, he's somebody that I've invested in maybe five or six times with, but he's built businesses. Like he and Rohit have built businesses at scale and founders love working with people like that because they've gone through it. So those are just some high level things that I would look for, but that's a really great question. And when you do talk to angels and funds, you should 100% ask that question because investors, when we invest and once that wire hits your bank account, we are working for you. Like we need to be able to do whatever it takes to make you successful or help in that capacity. So that's, that's how we look at investments. Herschel and I, like when we, when, when that wire hits, it's like, okay, we're working for you now. What do you need? Do you need help hiring? Do you need help on marketing? Do you need help on, you know, getting your first hire in the United States? Maybe you need to six months from now, create a funding strategy. Like what funds are you targeting? Let's try to get intros for you, stuff like that. So sorry for the long answer. No, (laughs) very, very helpful. And in fact, yeah, I mean, because we've been like uh, looking at this space and looking at, you know, what uh, fund to connect with was the best way forward. So I think this is quite helpful. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah, for sure. And don't, and be super shameless, be super shameless because I feel like a lot of people, they look at investors like they're like some sort of gods or they have this like power and stuff. I think that's bullshit. I think that founders should be able to reach out to whoever they want, whatever they want. And like, I know this is kind of off tangent, but it's in my head right now. It's like, well, I truly believe when you ask for money, you get advice. But when you ask for advice, you get money. So what I recommend founders doing is like really use LinkedIn or Twitter and reach out to investors or angels and like, don't even like a pitch from like, Hey, I'm raising capital, blah, blah, blah. Um, I would be like, Hey, I'm building this startup where, you know, my background's this, I would love your feedback on this. And then you start developing these relationships. And then I feel like that's, I feel, I've, I've seen founders convert, investors at such a higher level doing it from that approach rather than just messaging saying hey i'm raising money i need to speak with you you know what i mean so absolutely there's i mean these these are like this is absolutely true you know people uh sometimes you know when uh you you when when you're actually looking for money it's it's actually much better that you look for an advice rather than actually directly going and upfront asking for money because it doesn't work. It doesn't work uh, in that sense. We'll we'll come to that a little bit. Uh, we'll probably you know get into the specifics of this a little bit more. Uh, but uh, we'll have Parth. He has the next question. Yes, yes, yeah, right, right. Parth, you can go uh, next. Yeah. Hey, Brendan. Thanks for wonderful insight and thanks for connecting with us. Uh, my question uh, being the what would be your evaluating criteria if there is already well-funded startup in the same space but the problem the uh, the same space uh, reason being the earlier startup has not solved the real problem 
but the next startup has found that problem and is going to solve that problem got it and uh, thank you for the question um yeah that's a that's an interesting question um you know some of these businesses that are playing in the space that are a lot well more funded um i typically for me i really have to look at like um like how are they unique and how is this new startup different um from this other company like what is their edge um are they have they launched and do they have are they growing quicker um do they have um some sort of you know channel of acquisition that nobody else has i would want to really kind of dive deeper into like how is this startup different from this other well-founded funded startup in the same space um i would that that's how i would approach it um i mean the I, the analogy is like you know facebook was like the 12th social network in the world like right they weren't the first one to market they were the 12th one but now they're still around everyone else is dead um i think you just have to have an edge and you have to be specifically different and that's what something i would look for um i know that's very a, a very broad answer but there needs to be some sort of like metric that's making you different or driving you to be different um you know there's a company called teachment which is right, um, right. is growing at a rapid pace and right. you know they're growing faster than baiju right now and um they're you know they're they're not the first you know tutor platform in india they just have found a completely different need. they they found a way to grow and they found they made a very frictionless process of being able to use their product so um that's how i would approach it is like i would really want to look at the the i would really want to get underneath the hood and realize and understand how is this business different and there ne- i would say that there needs to be some metrics and um, it would, right. yeah uh, just, just, and uh, uh, there is a one more uh, question in it. The same yeah. question. Uh, there may be a scope that the the same startup has the ha- has must have the long term vision. I think the uh, short term vision, short term vision will not satisfy uh, to catch up that well funded startup. So I think uh, uh, if the startup has the uh, startup will be in the same space and has a long term opportunity. Okay, then long term opportunity. That uh, what will be the, your evaluating criteria? That you will uh, believe in the long term vision of the uh, of the of the new startup. So, uh, what would be the exact uh, criteria that you will evaluate? I think that um, the vision that you, you. I think that you have to really be able to tell a story when you tell that long term vision. And tell the story on why you're going to be able to execute on this vision. Um, like everyone's, you know, you can just say, "Oh, I'm going to build, I'm going to build a, a bigger uh, and faster growing, you know, ed tech company. We're going to take down Baiju in three years." That's a pretty right. big vision, but maybe you will. But how are you going to approach that vision? How are you going to execute on that vision? And based on that, it's like we have an unbelievable team. We have experience in this specific um, sector. We, you know, our technology is super proprietary and our technology is not like anyone else's. So there needs to be, um, I would have to want to really understand, like, how are you going to execute on this vision? 
specifically? Like what's the roadmap? How are you different? Um, what is going to be able to allow you to get to this vision? Um, you know, and that, and, and I think that's a, that's a really tough question. I mean, like you, it's really hard. You're going to have to really be able to storytell and really create this paint a picture because investors are going to say, like, I see deals all the time where it's like, um, what's like a popular one right now. Um, I think full, uh, full piece of paper plan should be ready. For yeah. That. Like, yeah. Like it needs to, you have to be able to kind of back up why you're saying that your vision. Um, oh for an example, like, you know, if you're going to create, like I see a lot of companies in India that are kind of in the ed tech space around like, you know, learning and test prep and all that. And like, I see a lot of deals like that. And I think it's great. I think it's great for the ecosystem, but it's almost like, how are you different? Like you want to, you want to be the, you want to be the biggest ed tech company in India, but how, how is this specifically different? And a lot of the vision and the articulation is not convincible. So I feel like you need to, really focus on convincing people and telling a story. Um, yeah, okay, that's how I would say. Yeah. 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 Thank, thank, thank you so much. Thank you so uh, much. Yeah. That's wonderful. I, I, yeah, no problem. I think in, in this bit, usually execution trumps, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, any kind of, any kind of uh, conceptualization. Uh, if you really have an idea which you think you can you can beat the one which are already there, uh, Brendan here I have a I have a small uh, question a follow up to this and probably we can mm -hmm. take the questions along with this that usually what happens is if there is a big <laughs> enough company uh, there is a well funded startup like Byju's uh, if we take that example and there is another tech company who's planning to do something in the same space which might disrupt or be looking at a smaller or a or an or a or an untapped position in the ed tech space um usually what we see is the bigger company usually sweeps sweeps in and then acquires either acquires or tries to break the smaller company down uh, and that happens quite a bit you would know that uh, how exactly i mean do you do you see uh, that in case there are the right kind of backers to the smaller eco smaller player that these people have a fighting chance or, or, or anything like that? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, what's interesting is that you'll see people that work at these larger funded startups like Swiggy, Zamato, Misho, um, Big Basket, companies like that, um, that, <laughs> you'll see them grow very, very fast and they'll hire a bunch of people, but then you'll see people that are, maybe they've had like a senior position or, you know, a director position or whatever, and they leave and they start their own business in the same space. Mm -hmm. um, those types of backgrounds I think are interesting because they've already been in these mm -hmm. businesses for so long that they must have a competitive advantage or they must know something that other people don't know. Mm. So I feel like founders that are starting businesses in a space with a like a company like a Baiju and they want to they want to start a business in education but they've worked at Baiju for 4 years or wherever then that's really interesting to me because I feel like that they have a they have like a competitive advantage 
Um, and then also when you see other investors coming in that, you know, have good reputations and good signaling, then, um, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't hurt to, it doesn't hurt. It, it, they have a, they have a fight. I believe they have a fighting chance. And, um, you know, like what you said, a lot of these businesses, especially now the sensor is getting more liquidity into the markets because, you know, companies are like Swiggy and now you see Baiju potentially going public at 50 billion, Zomato going public. Like there's a lot of liquidity now where there's, there's going to be, there's more acquisitions happening, you know, left and right. Cool. We can move on to the next question. Ankit, you have a question. Namaste, Brandon. I'm Ankit. So my question to you is how to convince smarter people to work for you? Uh, great question. Um, I think you, you need to really sell the vision and the mission of the business and what your values are as founders. So really get people that are very, very passionate. Like, you know, if there's, if there's people that are smarter than you, um, you need to really sell them on what you're building is needs to exist in the world. And I think that's a lot of storytelling and convincing. Um, also like if, you know, I think investor, I think what's interesting in, in the U S is that if, if there's like really good investors that is invested in the company, I feel like really, you know, I feel like smarter people are attracted to that. Um, so if there's any like signaling from that perspective, whether if it's like in investor signaling, maybe it'll be traction signaling, um, you know, maybe you get into Y Combinator and every engineer wants to work with you because you're in Y Combinator. I think those are just like kind of like micro things, but uh, from a macro level, um, really, really, when you speak to these individuals, you know, articulate and tell a vision and tell a story. Um, because like at WAG, like what we, the vision of the, the, the crux of WAG is basically allowing people that own pets to have, you know, time where they can go out, stay out, have people stay at their house or take their pet out when they're out to dinner, whatever it is, and have full transparency. And the people we hired were a million times smarter than me. And the reason why they, a lot of them worked at WAG is because they were their pet owners themselves and they were, they've experienced this problem in the past and they are just so passionate about solving it for pet parents across America that they were like, I need to work here. Um, so really articulating that story and vision. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Ankit. Ansh, you have a question? Am I audible? Yeah, yeah, you are. Okay. Oh, great. Uh, hi, uh, hi, Brandon. Uh, really glad uh, that you're here talking about all this today. Uh, I'll quickly jump to an introduction. Uh, my name is Ansh. I'm currently an intern at a uh, young fund that uh, funds startup, startup pre-seed seed stage, right? Um, so you I've been trying take, to figure out my way. Uh, Ansh, he knows 100x.vc. <laughs> so Ansh is interning at 100x. Oh, no, 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 I'm not at 100x. Oh, sorry, sorry, no, sorry. no, no. I'm at first check. Oh, yeah. You are at first check. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm at... Wait to get yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I got, mis- I got confused. Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. It's okay. No problem. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think you'll remember now. <laughs> got a story. Yeah. So, 
I'm interning at First Check right now, right? And uh, we uh, fund pre at, at the pre-seed and seed stage. I'm trying to figure out my uh, way into the VC world here, right? It's gro- growing very fast for me right now. Uh, one question that I have is, my question is twofold, by the way. Uh, one thing, I've been having this problem trying to, you know, uh, build my framework to filter the deals that come our way, right? And, um, of course, I guess that I don't have the experience uh, to do the due diligence process as my seniors, but I'm still trying to build a um, flexible framework where I can get some answers, right? So what what would be your advice to me to, you know, uh, as a starting steps, right? What can I do at uh, such a stage for myself? And the second part of the question is, for uh, this one is in the long-term view of things, uh, what do you think one should do to have a, you know, uh, like, uh, let's put it this way, right? Uh, what are your three uh, tips that go in the handbook of being a great VC in the long totally. term? Yeah, g- great to connect. And uh, definitely heard of first check. So thanks for the questions. Um, I would say, like, if you're starting off in VC and, like, how to diligence and, like, how to kind of make a name for yourself, um one thing in VC is that like if you're not at a top fund or not like a top fund but a fund that's well known or you don't have like multiple winners that you've brought to the table this job really is a hunting job like this is like a sales job almost like there is no deals are not coming to you and deals frankly like they come to me but they don't come to me at the scale that you think they come to me at and we need right. to I, – I source day and night for the best founders. So what you need to do is you need to really find founders that have unbelievable backgrounds and identify and connect with as many founders as possible and have conversations and try to build your network as fast as possible and develop like an antenna where you can understand like what – you can kind of filter through like founders that have like good experience, good backgrounds, et cetera. And by doing that is you just need to talk to more founders and you need to like keep building that network specifically. Um, Cause founders that founders, no founders and founders give the best deal flow. That's how, what I personally believe. Um, so what I would do is I would like, you know, whatever the sectors that you're focusing on, or if you're focusing on kind of on everything, um, one thing that I think has worked the, the most has been like LinkedIn and go on LinkedIn yeah. and find, 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 you know, girls and guys that are at some of these schools that are like the top schools or schools that like, you know, um, have good programs or then like, I would like find, um, you know, uh, I would go on LinkedIn and see founders that are like that put on LinkedIn that they're doing like stealth startups and, I would reach out to I would reach out to everybody and say like this is who I am I'm just like you know I'm part of this fund we invest in 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 startups we would love to just learn more about what you're building and develop a relationship and I would keep doing that continuously um and a lot of it is like a gut instinct and when you look at deals you want to mm-hmm. really like mm-hmm. you want to really like when you speak with founders you have to be convinced that like and a lot of it's going off the gut, but it's like 
you if the founders that are pitching you this business if they were to fail do you believe that they could get back up and start something else and i think that the more founders you talk to you'll start developing like wow these people are so passionate about what they are building um yeah got it that is, you start developing this gut instinct. Um, and sometimes you can just like, I talk to founders and I'm just like, wow, like this idea, this person's building is good. But like, I'm just, I just want to back this founder because I, this may not be the company, but the next company may be. Um, and doing diligence from that. And then like, so like to kind of long, long kind of way to your, your question. The first question is like, also when you diligence companies, um, you want to like, ask you want to like go on the platform and ask like be like a user and ask customers or like call up the customer service department and be like and pretend that you're a customer or a user and like really immerse yourself in the product or whatever the case may be and see like what the um what the outcome like and understand what the outcome is and and become like a customer user because that's going to show you like how good the product is even at the earliest stages um there's a company that I connected with called Supertails. Um, I did not invest in Supertails. Um, that was, uh, but it's basically a e-commerce company for pets in India. And um, my dog was sick, and they have a televet service. So I used the televet service all the way from the United States, and it was like an unbelievable experience. It was absolutely amazing. Okay. And this company, and this company just launched. So I'm like, wow, great founders, great backgrounds. I used a product and it was great, even at the earliest stages. So those are like some high level um, things that I would do to diligence. Also, um, right. I, I would connect with a bunch of angels and a bunch of VCs at other funds. And I would try to build my network as fast as possible and just provide value. Like just like whatever it is, sharing deal flow, uh, reaching out, saying, hey, if you need help on any diligence, I'm good at this specific sector. I'm here to help. The, what I realize is that the right. more you help, the more you help, and the more that you have this positive frequency and energy, everything else comes back to you. And I feel like that could not be more true specifically in VC. Um, and I think like what your to your second question is like, what makes like the top things to make a good VC is like, I think from a founder perspective is like giving value to founders, um, no matter no matter what stage that they're at, no matter if they're failing and their, their shit's going like nowhere or if they're growing and they're going to the moon, just being of knowing that you have the founder's ear and the founder trusts you and that you guys and girls have a great relationship. Um, I think that that goes a long way, not just in the seed stage, if that's the stage that you play in, but all the way, you know, to the end of time. Um, also I think, what makes a good VC is somebody that is super transparent. And like, if you are not going to do the deal, like say you're not doing the deal and this is why and move very quickly. I feel like in India so far is that some of the VCs in India, it takes a while for them to make decisions and that's okay. Cause they, everyone has their own process. But I think that at pre-seed and seed, if you, if you want to win, you have to move quickly and um, these deals go very, very quickly. Um, and then kind of lastly is like, just give value, keep giving value as much as humanly possible. Like, you know, when I first started angel investing, um, 
or just trying to get into angel investing. Every, I was like, how do I get into the best deals? And like, what am I going to, like, how am I even going to get seen for this? And it's like, I used to meet people in LA, like almost every day for coffee, just no, nothing, n- not expecting anything, just not just meeting, 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 giving value, giving value, getting on phone calls, just like connecting. Right. Like, and I think that even like what we're doing now is just like, I'm trying to give as much value as possible. And, and, you know, you know, I'm sure like down the road, like one of these conversations, you know, will be some lead into something else. So like give value as much as humanly possible um, because everything comes full circle. So sorry for the long answer. I'm, I'm very passionate about the subject, but um, I think that if you can follow that from a high level, you'll be very, very successful. So to reiterate, use LinkedIn, source the shit out of LinkedIn, hustle, reach out to founders, get their email addresses, get on the phone with them, meet them for coffee, whatever it takes. Um, you know, just keep meeting founders, uh, building that network. Um, and then from a diligence perspective, get in the weeds, talk to customers, talk to users, you know, be a ghost shopper or just call up customer service and do a fake call and be like, Hey, I lost my package. What, what are you going to do for me? Like stuff like that, go crazy like that. And then the third is keep giving value, um, and keep networking. Uh, and uh, I am actually glad that you made a long answer. And uh, another thing uh, I want to thank you for is uh, all the tips were very implementable, right? It's not abstract stuff. It's stuff I can actually yeah. start doing tonight. So thanks yes. a lot for that, man. That's really valuable. Yeah, no problem. No, no problem, man. It's uh, what I truly believe. One thing that one thing about LinkedIn is that there's a lot of folks in India on LinkedIn, and I think everybody is focused on Twitter when it comes to like deal flow and just meeting people. But I think LinkedIn is an absolute gold mine. So definitely, definitely double down on LinkedIn. Got it. Got it. Will do. Thanks a lot, Brendan. Thanks yeah, a lot. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Brendan, um, we, we are already at 1130. We have a few guys who still have questions. Uh, is it fine if we if we can extend this by a bit? Just asking. From yes. Yeah. That's like a, like as a yeah. Let me just yeah. That's like like ten maybe ten more minutes. Cool. 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 So just is that just, okay? Just yeah. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. Ashwin, you can go yeah. next, and then probably we'll end. Uh, Ayush can go. Ashwin. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Pratyas, and uh. uh Thanks, Brendan, for this uh, wonderful opportunity. Since as a early stage startup, uh, we got a quite lot of uh, experience in past one hour. So, uh, what my question is? Uh, uh, actually, we are an EV startup uh, without some ex- uh, industry experience, but uh, we could hustle for those industrial experience rather than of getting experience. And uh, uh, for example, I could just give an example. Uh, that uh, getting 10 years experience and uh, coming into EV startup was uh, somewhat late, but what we thought is uh, we could uh, start at immediate stage without uh, some industrial experience, but uh, we could uh, hustle uh, 24 into 7 to get those uh, industrial experience. Uh, in this case, uh, how the investors or uh, others rather than of uh, founders and uh, rather than of team, 
how the investor angel uh, advisor mentors look as uh, i couldn't uh, figure it out exactly so that's what why i just raised this got it so just to reiterate so um are you saying that so you have you and your team have 10 years experience is that correct uh uh not uh, not brendan actually we doesn't have uh, industrial experience but uh, i have uh, got some experience in our uh, college days manufacturing a solar car uh, with some our, with our teammates but we don't have uh, industrial experience uh, i see a kind of uh, fresh beast to the industries yes got it so okay so you don't really have industry experience however you want to proceed and like you know talk to investors and stuff like that um i think that i think that my my gut is is saying that like and i'm putting myself on if i were to like see the deal and stuff like what would my thoughts would be i think that you either need to show traction in whatever you're doing if you don't have industry experience or you need to bring on you need to you need to bring someone on that does and the reason why is because and this is just my personal opinion but you're in an industry that i believe requires some knowledge to some extent um maybe in the professional setting and i think that um i'm not saying it's impossible it's just that i think that investors are like wow this is a very hard space in general i want to de-risk as much as possible i would like to see traction whether that's you know sales or usage whatever it is or what does the team look like maybe the team has done x y and z so um i would either hustle to get traction um or i would try to find someone or maybe not find like a co-founder or like something like that but like maybe get advisors maybe get people that are you know not um going to be dedicating you know their whole day to this but maybe they can dedicate you know 5 or 6 hours a month and maybe you give them you know some a small piece of equity for their time and what not and then you can go to these investors or whoever that you're speaking with and be like you know we have this robust leadership team blah 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 um that's how i would approach that um if you were like hey i'm building a dating app actually no that's a bad example if you were like if if you're like hey brendan i'm building a uh an e-commerce site i'm going to be selling um you know spices i'm i'm creating an e-commerce site where i sell spices ghee butter and everything right but you have no experience selling anything on the internet i feel like that business that you're entering probably doesn't require that much skill sets and expertise as like starting an ev company i mean that's my personal opinion um but hopefully that helps and and sorry i can't answer that like 100% accurately the no same way uh, uh brandon actually uh, yeah uh, uh one go on go on ashwin hmm yeah uh, in the same ways of uh, getting traction and mvp uh, if we need to get some uh, users for our uh, mvp uh, to build uh, our mvp itself it, it will be costing us around uh, 1400 uh, as a minimum uh, as a Um, a middle class family in uh, india we couldn't afford at a stretch of 40 to 400 uh, dollars so uh, we could go whether uh, we could go for uh, some uh, 
early stage or uh, we could uh, bootstrap it or uh, how we could take it up to next level i think that um i think that there could be so what's interesting is that um you're starting a business that is capital intensive exactly and and you don't have the means right now to be able to execute on that capital intensive business which happens literally all the time um may you know there maybe there so there's a if it was me i would try to figure out i would try maybe there's some accelerators that i can get into that are you know pre traction pre revenue um that can give me you know smaller amounts of money maybe there's since you're in the ev world maybe there's some government grants you know again i don't really know that landscape but maybe there's maybe there's other ways to get the finances to launch this um if there is not then i would f- ask myself okay is this a business i really want to start if it's capital intensive and do i really want to execute on this vision um and then also like ask yourself like well is there other ways that we can launch this business but with cheaper products or cheaper cost etc um you know my um my girlfriend was going to my girlfriend started a company where she sold wigs which like put you put wigs on your head like hair and it was very capital intensive she had to buy all the wigs up front and it was like kind of I missed asking this like uh, but i felt like you know we even though we have over hello hello it's largely Sorry. upon uh, when you look at pitch decks what do you think is a good pitch deck what do you think is a uh, great question um i feel like with pitch decks um it's the less is better and being able to really i think the pitch should be like less than 2 minutes and i think like your deck should have like as limited text on it as possible and really being able to tell like a clear story like this is the problem this is our vision this is how we're going to solve it and this is like the team of why we're going to execute on this um i think that if you can keep it from a very very high level and and articulate that story and not have that much text um investors are going to be able to easily digest that material um i think it's totally okay to have an appendix where you can have kind of have more slides that go into more detail but i think from a, an initial pitch and from an initial deck um it should be very very high level and then when investors want to speak you know the second time or third time you can then go uh deeper into the appendix etc um so i i don't really i look at pitch decks um and i would say the pitch the pitch decks that help uh me convert uh into wanting to chat is um ones that are easily digestible and also Um for me I don't really care about decks that much I really care about like a blurb that like if you send me an email like a very high level of like what you're doing high level of the team maybe you have investors maybe you have traction and that's it and then attach the deck um 
that's how I would reach out to an investor. Um, I think decks are great, but I don't think decks are, um, they're useful, but I don't think people, sp I don't think people spend that much time on them. Um, and I would say the more text you have and the more like images and just crowded, <laughs> um, then I, I would say that's noise and that's a waste of time. And then if it, it completely turns, I think it just, it's not just me, but I think that if there's so much going on in the deck, then um, people, investors just get turned off. Um, you want to keep it as high. If you're, if you're like, and if you're reaching out to people, you want to keep it as frictionless and as digestible as possible and have like just a couple sentences, like very, very high level of what you're doing, you know, and how you're solving it. Um, yeah, that's how I would approach it. Got it. Thanks, man. Nice. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Brendan. A lot of questions have, uh, are, you know, people are pinging me that they want to ask the question, but I think we have run out of time. Uh, so I'm really sorry, all of you guys, if in case we have not been able to address your question. Um, we've just put out a small poll in the polls page about your feedback, about your experience, about uh, about the about the whole conversation. Oh, there's there's two, I see that there's two questions left from yes. Durga and Ayush. Yes. Yeah, yes, let's just so take those. Let's just take those two time, questions. We can. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, Ayush, I do. I just I uh. I'm, yeah. yeah, go Thank for you, it. Brandon. Thank you, Brandon. No problem. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Uh, so, when I'm working on a startup, it's called Student Peeps. It's essentially Groupon for students. So, we've partnered up with these big brands, for example, Rapido Bike Taxi, and we're going to partner up with brands like Mamarth and Beardo. And we, have, we already have 20 plus brands on our platform. We have also reached 2,000 users and are growing 30 to 35% month on month. I'm, I'm, uh, the question is, I'm still a student, you know, uh, so I want to know what do investors see in student entrepreneur before investing, because I've seen my friend Harish raise funding in Blue Line and, you know, what does, what does you look before investing? Because there's little to no credibility in student entrepreneurs. So I just, just want to know uh, your opinion on that. Yeah, great question. And congrats on all the traction. Oh, that's amazing. Um, I would say like, um, my, if you're still a student and you have all this traction, um, I would say like they, like if you are, if you, if, you know, if you're, if I see a company that the company's growing and the, the, the founders are still students, I would expect them to drop out because like, how can you run a business and also go to school full time? Like that doesn't make sense. Um, but I don't discredit founders that are still in school. And I think like if you're speaking to investors, I would say like, you know, maybe you, you say, you say that you're deferring a year or like you're focusing on this from now on. Um, but I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter if you're in school or not, but I think the expectation is, you know, if you're going to do this business, you're going to have to focus on this one, uh, like a hundred percent of the time. It's not like a side hustle anymore, especially if you're raising venture money. Um, if hopefully that helps, um, yeah, I would, but I would be, I would say, I don't think it's, there's nothing wrong with being in school and, and pitching investors. I would just, I would say, and I don't want to say across all investors, but I would say most investors would, would be like, okay, well, if we're going to give you this money, like you're focusing on this, like this is like your life. You know what I mean? Especially if you're raising like hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. 
anybody who's listening and that got value from this um again this is like an opportunity of a lifetime for me to speak on this and also invest in india so if you are a founder if you're like trying to start a business if you want to join a startup if you just want to just like grow your network i'm happy to chat um and develop a relationship um and i know my partner herschel is you know we're literally similar people so he would love to as well um you know i Herschel is going to be based in Bangalore. I'm going to be coming to India hopefully in the beginning of the year when kind of COVID calms down. But like I plan on, I can't stress enough. I talk to so many founders in so many parts of India that like I have like 50 places I need to go. And I am so excited uh, to go to all these different places and towns and cities and stuff like that. So yes, we'd love to connect offline and whoever else wants to connect uh, more than happy to. Thanks, thanks a lot. Thank you, thank you, Brandon. You know, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Durga, yeah, yeah, Durga, 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 and this is the one question the second one is uh, how do you estimate the roi uh, in- uh, sorry can, can you repeat the first question i think you just cut out so, so what is the unique challenge uh, you see you observed in indian uh, startups from angel investing perspective um a unique challenge i see um <sighs> I would say, um, I would say, so in my little experience, let's just take this less than a year investing in India. Um, I say that it's like the business model and getting users to spend money. I think that um, just the average revenue per user is, is, is somewhat low. So it's really getting to scale and growing. I think that's a challenge um, and really making sure business models work. I think that there's a lot of businesses that I've seen that have grown, um, but they almost like hit a ceiling and they need to, they, they, they need to figure out how to like grow further. Um, So I think those are some challenges. I also think that there's a massive, massive shortage of great talent in India right now. Um, All of my portfolio companies are hiring, but it's really hard to hire right now. Because a lot of these engineers, as I'm sure a lot of, uh, not just engineers, product managers, designers, engineers, they're getting a lot better offers from companies like Swiggy, et cetera, that can pay a lot more. So now there's like this huge like talent shortage to some degree. Um, So now these startups that raise a million dollars, $2 million, um, it's hard to attract a really good engineer because they can just go work at a swiggy and make like three X the money. Um, 
So I think that's a unique challenge that kind of startups that are kind of funded experience. Um, yeah, those are some of the challenges for sure. Um, I'm trying to think what other challenges. I think that also there's a lot of startups operating in this, in similar spaces. And I think a lot of these spaces are somewhat saturated. So like when you speak to investors, investor investors are like, Oh, like another ed tech company that focuses on this. And it's like, I've seen 10 of these this week. And it's almost like a lot, some of the challenges are like, you know, really kind of carving an, like a, a niche out or like being different. Um, I would say those are the, those are the initial challenges. Um, and yeah, I think that's, I think that's pretty, and then COVID obviously, I feel like some businesses were affected by COVID. I think that's a challenge. Um, but I think that that's a short term thing. Um, I don't think that, I mean, I don't give a shit about COVID really in terms of like investing. I think if it's a good business, it's a good business, but I think some, some companies have had, had some challenges with COVID. Um, but yeah, what was your second question about ROI? Uh, yeah. So how do you estimate an ROI in, uh, in, in a startup? Um, honestly, I, I can't, I don't really, I can't really, I, I really, I'm, I'm, unic- I'm, I'm unicorn hunting. Right. So like, mm. I, I believe that, um, based on, I can't really estimate anything, but I know that it kind of goes back to like, I'm a very spiritual person and I go with my gut and I go with my intuition and that's kind of how I have led my life. And I, I, I believe everybody should live their life with their intuition and their gut. And I believe that if I, if I believe in the founders and I believe in the team and I know that this team is capable of working together and even if they fail, they can get back up and do something else or they have the tenacity and willpower to just keep going. And once I believe in that, and once I believe that whatever they're building is a big enough space, whereas um, this could really get to scale and it can solve problems for millions and millions of people, um, ROI will come. I don't know what that ROI comes, but will come in. But I believe that if if it works, it's going to be a large ROI. And I know that's probably not the answer you want, but. Um, as an investor at the pre-seed and seed, a lot of it is intuition. A lot of it is very limited diligence, but really understanding the market. It's almost like, if you think about it, like pre-seed and seed is like, it's so risky. Like it's, it's not like we're investing, you know, $200 million in a company when it's already vetted, you know, by all these users and, and investors, like it's so risky. So I can't really estimate the ROI. I just know that if I follow my framework and if I believe in the founders in the market, then ROI is going to be massive. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I look at it. I, and it's interesting because I look at my fund as like, I'm a founder right now myself. Like I might've started businesses in the U S that scaled. Yeah, that's great. But I've never proved to anybody in the world that I can be a good investor. Like my, this is my first fund. And I treat this as uh, like a seed round, basically, where like, I need to execute. Like, if I don't execute on this fund, I don't get a second fund. So like, I, I am like evolving as an investor. And I'm, and I'm investing in a market in a country that I love, but I've only been to once. So it's like, I'm continuously learning, you know, as as I go, and I'm relying on a lot of people to help me along the way and stuff. And I'm going with my intuition. Uh, 
on this journey because you know every step of the journey is the journey you know what i mean so um that's how i that's how i look at it that's a that's a very interesting take brendan especially the fact that uh, 99% of the companies eventually wouldn't matter if there's the uni- if you are able to find that unicorn uh, and that's where the whole roi actually comes back you know and 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 that's yeah. that's a very interesting take because that's 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 basically an investor's mindset what we are asking you questions for is from a founder's mindset where every found every startup matters but for you you're basically hedging your bets uh, across 100 different companies and then trying to make that one or two businesses work right and which will basically give you all the money back very interesting right. that's there is uh yes yeah the vc mechanics is uh it's very interesting to say the least but what's interesting is that what i've noticed is that companies that may not work it may just be the, it's not it may not be the founders it may just be the business and they just have to mm. do something else you know what i mean like mm. the businesses that i told you about were just two businesses you know i've done probably eight other businesses that i didn't even talk about because mm. i learned a lot from them and they failed mm. you know what i mean so um yeah it's the vc mechanics and the, how the whole vc world works is uh is very very interesting um to yeah. say the least yeah but awesome yeah. cool 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 brendan uh so yeah, sorry yeah. guys Thanks a lot, there, there are still a lot of questions coming in what we mm-hmm. uh, what we recommend guys is just put the questions in the events chat and brendan can probably type out the questions brendan if you have the time <laughs> you know uh, if if uh, you know you could just answer the questions over chat uh, on the, yeah. on the as, as you can type it out but I think we have run out of time we've already ex- extended by half an hour and we really appreciate oh, your time. Brendan how was your experience? How yeah. was the whole session for you? Awesome this has been a, uh, such an opportunity and thank you so much I uh, this makes me a better investor and really appreciate the uh, startup community a lot more so I really appreciate this opportunity and Thank you, everybody, for uh, taking time. I know that if, if most people are in India, I know it's pretty late out there. So uh, I really do appreciate everybody's time. And thank you for listening to me. And, and please feel free to connect with me offline if you'd like to chat. But uh, this was great. Um, you know, this is the uh, start of my weekend right now. So um, I really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Brendan.